In the name of the one holy and living God. And hope does not disappoint us. I think hope is the word of the moment in my world right now. On no less than three separate occasions, people I did not know, but who recognized this funny collar I wear and perhaps the purple shirt, who said something along the lines of, hey, we saw your church at the Pride March. What church is that? Maybe Father Tom might remember that occasion a few days ago. They wanted to know who we were. The comment from Eli at Cafe Patachu was, your church gives me hope. Or, aren't you with the Episcopal Church? I'm doing renovation work on Trinity Haven. You all give me such hope. That was yesterday at the roller skating rink during a party for a nine-year-old. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> or, I've been reading that book about white supremacy and the justice of God by Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas, and it's hard. But we're talking about it, and I have so much hope for our community. That was also yesterday at the end of one of our neighborhood meetings from one of our churches in Anderson. Hope does not disappoint us, except it can be complicated. When I was a child, I was taken with the myth of Pandora's box. Anybody remember that myth? You know, the great Greek myth whereby Zeus, who is mad that Prometheus has stolen fire from heaven, exacts vengeance by giving a, a jar or a box to Prometheus' sister, Pandora. This box contained all manner of evils, including sickness and death. But Pandora was curious about what was inside. So, you know, she opens it up. And once her, you know, her curiosity had gotten the best of her, she opened the box or the jar, depending on how you translate it. And she unleashed all the evils. Now, as a child, when times were particularly hard, or when I'd gotten into trouble for one thing or another, you know, like setting the crayons on fire in a jack-o'-lantern because I thought that would be fun. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> but I would blame it all on Pandora. I would say, if only she hadn't opened up that box, everything would be fine. That, I, I mean, I can't tell you how long I held that belief. <laughs> but as an adult, I learned that there were many controversies about the interpretation of this myth. I mean, aside from the problem, and it is a problem, that once again, it is a woman who is blamed for all the evils of the world and the brokenness of humanity. But the real controversy had to do with hope. That Greek word, elpis, hope is the one thing that was left behind in the box. Now, the controversies begin once you begin to um, debate the merits of having hope left in the box or whether it is let out for all humanity to participate in. It depends on whether you are an optimist or a pessimist. I can really go either way, 
but I want to be an optimist, and so I want to believe that the hope is doing something good for us. Hope is a word that has always meant something good to me. I can still hear all these years later the Reverend Jesse Jackson's rousing speech at the Democratic National Convention of 1984. Keep hope alive! Keep hope alive! As if in those days we felt it was in danger of dying. Hmm. Hope does not disappoint us, except when it does. About a week ago, noted author and cultural critic Roxane Gay wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times entitled, The Case Against Hope. She wrote, I don't traffic in hope. Realism is more my ministry than is unbridled optimism. Hope is too ineffable and far too elusive. Hope allows us to leave what is possible in the hands of others. And now more than ever, as we consider the state of the world, she wrote, as we consider the many candidates running for president in 2020, we don't need to leave possibility to others. Fascinating. She goes on to recount the woes that we know so many of, the woes, the difficulties, the stresses on humanity right now. Poverty, school shootings, our faltering democracy, our pillaging and destruction of the environment, and on and on. But she insists that luck, like luck, hope is, she says, too far beyond our control, too ephemeral. What we must really wish for one another is the power of all that might be possible if we do anything more than hope. So I was fascinated to watch and read the reactions to this piece. So many cheers for her realism on Twitter. I couldn't believe it. I thought, these are, they think dif differently than I do. I mean, there were so many, so many folks who were like, that's right on. And then others who were apologists for hope. Now, hope is a word that for us Christians, like many other religious bodies, is both theological and popular. <laughs> it hasn't been corrupted, I like to think, or, you know, sort of put into that bad box of things like other words that we like to use, like evangelism and sin and repentance. Hope is still mostly understood to be positive. The worst one might say about it is that it isn't practical which may have been ultimately Mrs. Ms. Gay's point. And I can see her point if hope is devoid of God. Hope without God is disappointing. Her critique of hope is that it's too far beyond our control and that the individual I must do more than just hope. Of course. Of course. Perhaps Ms. Gay is not really against hope as she is against hope alone. Is there anyone among us who has ever felt that hope alone is sufficient? No, hope is among the other essentials. And for us, we would count God, God's creation. Each of you, you and I, made in the image of God, 
when you put all of that together with hope, now you've got something. But if for Ms. Gay, the problem of hope is that it allows us to leave the possibility, the possibilities for anything good to come to other people, for Christians, we know that that is also its greatest gift. We need one another, and our hope needs one another. Our hope does, in fact, rest on the possibilities of others and the possibilities of God. We say often here that we are never alone. We belong to one another, and we belong to a God who is manifest, because we have to say this as Trinity, this is the day, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God as lover, beloved, and love. We worship a God whose very being is relational. So there's none of this going it alone. Lutheran pastor Luke Bowman said it best years ago. He wrote, in the context of God's loving action in the world, the Trinity describes a God with characteristics that go far beyond our knowledge and sight. A God who gives life for creation, a God who uses love not forced to change that creation from within, a God whose spirit moved through that creation from before the dawn of time and moves through the creation now. A God that is not observing us from a distance, but is present and active in all of life. A God that does not exist only in the powerful and beautiful things of this world, but also in the weak, the outcast, the ugly, and the failed things. The Trinity is these, the story of an unexpected God in relationship with us in unexpected places and unexpected ways. When we think about what Paul was writing to his community, we would say that the same is true for how God has been always. This is the same God who would make descendants of Abraham and Sarah who hoped against hope, which is what is inspiring Paul's exhortation to the church to boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God, to endure and persevere to gain the character that produces hope because this is what the people of God have done since before the beginning of time. And this hope, this God, does not disappoint us. Our hope is in that God. And not just our hope, but our trust, our love, our very being is caught up in God, which prompts us to live, as the Eucharistic prayer says, not only for ourselves alone. We live by turning and returning to love made flesh in Jesus. We live by declaring boldly that we will not stand idly by while hate and terror are made to be the color of normal. We live as if our silence and complicity does equal death because we should not be silent in the face of the atrocities that we see. We live as if we really believe the good news that God is among us and is obliterating the evil in our midst even as we sit here. We live as if each one of us can be an agent of possibility to counter despair. And we live as if each one of us has the capacity to do what the world believes is impossible. 
I don't care what you look like, where you come from, how long you've been here, we all have that possibility. We live as if we believe that what happens when we gather at that altar really matters. In a few moments, members of this faith community will make a mature confession of faith as they are confirmed and received into the Episcopal Church. And we will be witnesses to the hope proclaimed in those commitments and in our own renewal of baptismal promises. We know that at baptism we acknowledge reality that God that God already loves us, he has already called us beloved, and we celebrate that today. We are changed by what we do today. All Saints is changed and transformed by the hope of those who come and commit themselves to this way. May you never forget your belovedness in God. You all belong and all of the parts of you that you might want to hide belong. All of your gifts, your brokenness, your graces, your challenges, your hopes, especially your hope. Amen.